Hi, Nathan Murphy here. Uh, this is a very special episode of Off the Ball. It is sponsored by Island's Edge, brand new, unexpectedly refreshing Irish stout. And this part of Island's Edge podcast tour of live podcasts promoting interesting conversations and encouraging the exploration of choosing different. We are down in the Roaching Dove in Galway for a brilliant night alongside Owen Sheehan, Ashling O'Reilly, Gary Murphy, Stephen Hunt and Cora Staunton. And the reason we're there is because ultimately the difference between us is the space where new ideas come to live and evolve. So we're delighted to be part of the series. Here's our unexpectedly refreshing chat with a pint of Island's Edge in hand. Hope you enjoy. Good evening everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Come on, make a bit more noise than that. There's a free bar all night everybody. More noise at a bar is shutting. Thank you all very much for coming out. We are off the ball. I'm Nathan Murphy. I'm here to babysit. Ashling O'Reilly, how are you? I'm Owen Sheehan. Uh, we are delighted to be here. We were concerned, but then we heard there was a free bar and we knew it would be packed in the Roisin Dove tonight. Uh, so thank you all very much for coming out. We've got a brilliant show lined up yeah. over the next little while with thanks brilliant. to our friends yeah. in Island's Edge. Uh, we're going to be joined first off by Stephen Hunt. How would you describe Stephen Hunt? I would have to say Ireland's foremost silver fox. The, the man who popularised headgear in soccer potentially yeah. as well. No, that was his real hair. <laughs> uh, we're also going to be joined by a, another male legend. Because, you know, the best thing about Galway is all the male people that live here. <laughs> Cora Staunton's going to be with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's considered the greatest ladies football player ever. Made her debut at 13 years of age. Yes, 13 years of age. Absolutely madness. And we're delighted to have her here tonight. And uh, this is a very special night for me because it's my last ever off-the-ball appearance. Because I'm taking the Saudi money and I'm going to live golf. <laughs> Screw you guys. Uh, Gary Murphy is going to be here to tell us all about that. The US Open is starting tomorrow. Uh, Gary's a brilliant player on the European Tour and a fascinating listen, so he's going to be with us as well. And we've got a very special crappy quiz coming between now and the end of the show. Uh, but we're going to welcome out our first guest, 40 caps for the Republic of Ireland, Stephen Hunt! Very bright. Stephen, how are you keeping? I'm well, Owen, yourself? Very well. How was the trip out to Galway? <laughs> Horrendous, you were driving. <laughs> so, I, listen, I'm a quick one for you. So I'm driving, I'm in the car with him. The off-the-ball producer said, listen, we'll pick you up, we'll transport you to Galway, we'll look after you. The smallest car I've ever seen. <laughs> no air conditioning. Sweating, I've lost two pounds on the way up. And then there's this big end sign that I didn't know what I stood for over here because I've been out of Ireland obviously too long. Novice. Well, he certainly is a novice, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly killed me twice. Anyway, we get on with the show. Sorry, Owen. Yeah, I'll be driving you home as well this evening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, is life good after last night, Stephen, as an Irish uh, football legend? Somebody who, like, uh, you know, comes on our show, talks about Irish football all the time. Is, is this going to be a positive conversation tonight? Really positive. Yeah. Really? Ten days ago, it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster. It really is at the moment. And... Uh, after yesterday's performance and the weekend, it was, it was good to see. So, how do things go from it being all hell on earth last week to everything being rosy in the garden this morning? Who's overreacting more? Definitely the Irish media overreacting more. Nathan, to be precise. <laughs> yeah, that's us. <laughs> right. uh, listen, I think Stephen is the right man for the job. Uh, I questioned that at the weekend, if I'm honest with myself. I want Ireland to do well, of course I do. I don't live in Ireland to a certain degree, but obviously just want us to do well desperately and 
to play Armenia, to be live in, on the studio at Sky was very difficult to, to do and commentate, and I was really frustrated with the performance. What did you say on Sky? I just collapsed with disappointment, really. Yeah. And then, at the same time, I did Scotland a week later, and it was amazing. It was one of the best performances I've seen in a long time. Are you all right, lads? <laughs> <laughs> you, bro you broke the camera. <laughs> that was a serious right? catch. <laughs> Quite a good-looking fella, aren't you? You did well. <laughs> you sure? About, tr okay? it's about three grand's worth of damage, and he really wants to cry now, but he just can't admit it. Yeah, leave him Sorry. Alone. So, yeah, Scotland performance was really encouraging. Actually, I think Stephen Kenny would have learned a lot about myself over the time that he actually, in my opinion, stuck with the right formation when people were crying out for a four at the back. I thought he did the right thing. He tweaked midfield with two workhorses in Jason Knight and, and Malumbi, and that worked to a treat and, and it put us in good stead. I think it's always like that. Listen, I was a hard-working player, I don't mind saying that, but we're always last on the list to play, if you know what I mean. It's always when desperate needs that you need the workhorses to come in and do well, and I thought the boys did it very well. Not just from a running point of view, from a tactical point of view as well, they were excellent. The uh, learning on the job has come up quite a bit over the last week. Did you think two years in he would still be in the learning on the job role, or were you, did you expect him to be a, a more developed squad by now? No, I actually thought he's going to need time to get the squad right. Uh, I've always said I think I likened us to a little bit of like Wales when, God bless, when Gary Speed took over Wales, he actually changed the whole formation of the, and the mindset of the players into a real more fluent footballing team. And I played against Wales when they were suffering and they were horrendous. But now Ireland, I think, it just begin to turn that screw a little bit and hopefully we can continue So you feel going. like they're making progress? Yeah, I do. I, do. I generally do. And I think he's the right man for the job right now. I think whoever you brought in to the fold at the time needed time to adapt and, and get the players playing the way, the way they And the squad as well is young. So it needs time to get 10, 15 caps in them and then go from there. Is Nathan Collins the greatest centre-half that world football has ever seen? <laughs> This is what I mean by the overreaction. Come on, did you not see? Never saw you, never saw you score a goal like that. <laughs> I know, my, my record's poor at goals. <laughs> uh, like this morning I turn on off the ball, seven o'clock and- Tune in every And all of a sudden, he should never be dropped for Ireland again. Like, play every game, don't want to see him, want to see him on the bench, were you part yeah, of that? Yeah, what's your argument against that? Relax, just like English media blown up the hype in the players. Oh, okay. Bloody hell. Relax, let him, let him develop. He's got a big summer ahead of him where he stays or goes at the moment and he's going the right direction. Let him chill, let him come home, have some family time and then go but again. But what a goal. What a goal. You know what it was? It was that he was so ballsy to do it because it looked like he let it off here. He looked for the pass inside and he said, no, I'm going straight for this goal. I'm going to take it on. And then just on the outside of the boot, I was like, we don't see enough of that for Ireland. No. We certainly don't see enough of that, for sure. We haven't seen that kind of goal in mm -hmm. a long... Actually, to be fair to Obafemi, that was an outstanding goal. But the biggest thing from the goal's point of view is that Collins is right up there. He's pressing 35, 40 yards from goal. Back in our day, they would have been halfway line waiting for it to, yeah. to come to them. Like, so it was, it was really positive from that point of view. Do we not need to get excited about Nathan Collins, though? Because at times you've stuck with players for too long. Listen, I don't want to write off Shane Duffy's career. He could get a move and he could be back playing first-team football. And if anyone has scored big goals for Ireland over the last few years, it's been Shane Duffy. But this guy, like this guy's got to be in the heart of that defence. Come on. The biggest strength from him is his pace. Uh, I, don't, I won't get excited. I don't want to get excited from him. I didn't get excited about when you were ra raving in the studio about Parrot, Ida, Obafemi. <laughs> I think you'll find uh, Michael Obafemi in his first yeah. ever start there. You yeah, did right. all right the weekend. The golden generation two years ago, and then all of a sudden they've gone from heroes to zeros. 
and I just don't want to big him up too much and I want to keep him level-headed and going forward. Look, the great thing about podcasts is you can be a bit looser than when you're live on the radio, so we've got to be open. Stephen's now an agent, and he's just pissed that he doesn't have any of those players on his phone. <laughs> but ask him, ask him about Matt Doherty, and he'll spend 20 minutes telling you how he's the greatest fullback we've ever had. Until I got Sue Fallon, then he's better than Matt Doherty. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir, sorry, not Sue Fallon, Vladimir. So, no, where are we going? Sorry, going to put me off. <laughs> We've actually just signed Vladimir Sufal up to a 15-minute OTB interview that you promised after a couple of gins earlier. So if that doesn't happen in the next couple of months, you know that uh, Stephen Hunt has not kept his word on that interview. Right, so you've been keeping receipts on what Nathan has been saying, it seems, and all the positivity that's been coming out around some of these players. No, I love the fact that we're developing. I love mm. the fact that we've got three or four young strikers, Nathan Collins, Malumbi and Jason Eitar, out. Roy Keane type kind of players that are workmanlike, very structured. Josh Cullen has been excellent. I do think there's a lot of positives to be taken. It's just when we don't win in a certain amount of games, eight games is what you inform me in the Nations League after Armenia, Ukraine, you do actually feel, well, if we don't win these games, how are we going to qualify for a major tournament? That's when I questioned Stephen Kenny myself last week. You talk about the overreaction in the media. There's also been criticism of what Stephen Kenny has said, and in particular in the build-up to this Nations League. It was actually during the last campaign where he said, we're going out to win this Nations League campaign. That, that sort of positivity has been criticised as well. Like, what do you make of that? Like, I mean, it's, a, it's an Ireland manager who believes in his players, which isn't something that we've been overly familiar with down through the years. Not publicly, I think. Yeah, There's no... Fair. Martin O'Neill would have been ultra-positive, word in your ear quietly. Mick McCarthy would have been us against the world kind of thing. Mm. That's what managers do. They don't have to come publicly, but today's modern coach, Klopp, for example, is very warm and towards his players in the press. Very positive. I think what I would say about Stephen is that he's just got to be careful he doesn't criticise old managers, old styles of play, because the game is always evolving. And in 10 years' time, his style of play might not be so looked upon as it is now that it's a good style. It does feel like they, they buy into what he's saying, though. 100%. Yeah. They actually, they're really positive in their, in their body language coming out onto the mm. pitch. They're really, you can see patterns of play. You can see, clearly see tactical maneuvers in the third game that they hadn't had before in players, which was really good to see as well. Uh, some people in the media do overreact from time to time, and you've been in. Not looking at anyone. <laughs> uh, you've been you've been in that team hotel, and like there was almost a shift around when you know you started coming. I'm not I'm not linking the two. Yeah. But you know we went from the Charlton era into qualify for 2002, and when Stan took over, you know it went. Whew, Nearly. It went down, no, almost. It went downhill uh, pretty quickly, and like from that Cyprus game on, like the the criticism around the national team, it felt like it changed and become quite vicious. At times, particularly around the likes of a Glenn Whelan or a Paul McShane, like when results weren't going well, say during the Trapatoni era, and there was huge criticism of the style of football. What's that like to be in the middle of that sort of storm? I suppose experience is a wonderful thing, Nate. I was just after Cyprus, thank God, maybe three or four games after that, I come into the squad, and I remember getting involved in something I sh probably shouldn't have got involved with, but I called Dumphy a skinny rat, if anyone knows, if you remember. <laughs> they do now. And it, it, it was nothing to do with me. I, it said nothing to me had said nothing about me, but I just thought I needed to come out here and fight for my teammates at the time. I was playing well, so why not fire off a few bullets and <laughs> see, how, see how I got a reaction and I got front page of the paper the next day with Don Finnis rat on his head, so. <laughs> so you blew it up even more. I, I did at the time. So you're walking around the yeah. team hotel with the paper, look at this, yeah. lads. Looking at it now going, oh, you're playing with fire. But even today, for example, I actually arrived in this morning and I went to the hotel, I was waiting for this He's banger to collect me. And, <laughs> and literally, sorry, on. And 
the Jason Knight and a few of the team were in the hotel and the Irish doc was there and I said, listen, obviously after two games, you can feel the heat a bit more because you do feel it as a player when you come back into the country and your family are all, the attention is on you, your family are all excited to see you and all of a sudden they're having a go at a player and I know what it's like. So I said, listen, well done, you've responded well. Don't feel the pressure that you almost feel like you have to feel. Let it go, let it slide and, and get on with your work, which they've obviously done and finished the summer on a positive. And did Jason I'd say, well, yes, you can be my agent, Stephen? Uh, Jason I has representation, but... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, not just Jason, believe it or not. James McLean was there. We've put our tiff behind us. We've had a heart-to-heart, -heart and I said, well done for last night, because the captain of your country is, a, is an amazing feeling. Never done it, but uh, I can imagine it was an amazing, proud feeling for him last night. What's that like when the manager, and this is obviously trap era, when the manager is publicly, not admonishing the players, but, but clearly isn't supportive in, in what he's saying publicly of the talents of the players. Does that seep in or is what he's saying privately, does that counteract that? I think whatever the manager says in the bubble means everything to you. Mm. Uh, whether that's criticism, you take it personally, you should do because he's telling you you're not doing your job good enough. Or if it's, if it's positive, then you take it and, and you go with it. Like, trap and Tony just love me, so... <laughs> bring everything to me. Did he, and did he tell you that? Pretty much, like, he, I did. If, if he ever left me on the bench, I would just get my shin pads on because I knew I was coming on. That tells you yeah. I'm inside his head and, and <laughs> knowing when I'm coming on. The, the lads would look at me and go, what are you doing? Well, I'm getting my shin pads on and coming on, like. And they go, he's not called, he's not Eight told you. Eight minutes gone. You knew. But I knew, like, and, do you know what? Maybe I'm in the mindset of other people's heads that... <clears throat> trying to get on the pitch first and get an edge and be ready to rock. And obviously management have different styles, so what did you prefer? Did you like that man management type of style? <sighs> There's some coaches used to say, do the opposite of what you're thinking. So if I went with that, <laughs> generally... How did that work out? <laughs> generally it was good, but I'll be honest with you, a lot, of, a lot of players play a role in the dressing room and I played a role of, this is, as you said earlier, the busy one. The one that was always up for doing things, always willing to run. We do five, four hundred metre runs, and I'd always be at the front. Of everyone, I'd leave everything out there. The last one, one of the guys who had saved his energy would fly past me, and I'd be like swearing at him, like, "Have you, have you done enough?" Like, so I am that person in the dressing room. I did play a role. I don't mind him. Steve Koppel, especially, he would say stuff that I knew how I'd have to react to it to get more out of the dressing room. So I played a role sometimes. It's almost acting. I know it is. But if it got me on the team sheet, I don't care. <laughs> Obviously, Trap didn't always bring you on. Oh, very rare. Well, like... Oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, sorry. Aside <laughs> from the one tournament you got today. Yeah, oh. yeah like, Will I ever be over it? I think I'd, I'd probably have to get over it at some stage. But anyone that knew me on the Trap would... Either I'd start, I'd come on. And even, even in his old age at the time, he realised that I wasn't... <laughs> Do you think that's where the problem was? <laughs> so I picked up an injury around February time and I had three hernia operations in the previous six, seven years. I went from the first one where at the time it was a butcher, literally cut you open, slit you open, but I went to keyhole, so you're back after two or three weeks by the time the third, fourth one come along. So I went to Germany in March with the Euros in, in June, thinking, please, fix my groin, need to be ready to go, like, and a new trap would pick me. So had the operation, was just putting it down to it's getting better, but it really wasn't. So anyway, ended up being picked for the Euros. 
Um, listen, it's heartbreaking because you have all these magical moments. You're watching your team, your teammates that you've played a part in, knowing that they'd want me to come on and have a positive impact, but I wasn't able to do that. So the second game in, I think, well, whoever we lost to, Croatia, Spain, I can't remember the, the, how bad it was. It was bad. So <laughs> it was the second game in, and I'm like, you want to bring me on here, look. Can I swear? Put your shin pads on. You can say what you want, yes. Yeah. I said, are you going to bring me on? Like, am I going to play a part in this? I know I'm not up to speed training, but I can still have an impact in my head. Uh, the third game come and didn't start me. And he pulled me aside and said, listen, you will play tomorrow. You will come on as a substitute. And I didn't. We lost heavily. I remember Darren Gibson throwing his dummy out and walking off into the changing room and never do that, of course. But literally after the game, I did a Gaza, broke down, crying like a little baby. Uh, just emotions of not being able to have that moment that you've watched 1990, 94. All these times, even Japan, with the memories, I'd have been 21, 22 at the time. Nowhere near Ireland, but had eight years before nobody knew my name. So a lot of emotion had gone into trying to get there. Didn't happen. You move on. You, it took me a while to move on, to be honest. I was still angry with Trap the next day. I said, you're fucking taking the piss. So you tell me I'm going to play, you've got to bring me on. Like, you can't let a player down like that. Even if it was just to get on that pitch would have meant a lot to me, even though it was an absolute disaster of a tournament and one we'll never, ever get any credit for going and probably we shouldn't do at the end of it because we lost the three games. You should have called him a skinny rat. And do you know what? In all my rage, I still love him to bits. Like. Really? Yeah, like I've got a lot of time for him. Uh, even his assistant, Tardelli, who probably was one of the worst coaches I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I respect him to the fact that he was, how he managed us, how he respected us, how he knew little situations where UEFA was going to go on and how he'd protect us. It's really interesting that point about the emotion of the tournament because even from a fan standpoint, that was very much the feeling going into 2012. You know, like yeah, the, me the memories that, I don't know, whatever age you were for like Italia 90, 88, 94, or like the memories that your parents would have been telling you if you, if you were that bit younger, people remembered 02, and every single tournament experience from an Irish perspective was positive. And I'm sure from what you're saying there, that was the same for the players, that it's like, this is Ireland at a tournament. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, well, the two jerseys here have had major parts to play in history, and you remember them moments? Yeah. Can anyone remember the 2012 jersey? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that was a jersey. <laughs> and, there's no, and there's no one wearing it either, so you know what I mean by that. Like this, we, we played a part in getting there, and it was, it was, 2012 was... We were still coming out of recession. The country was going in the camper vans. We were trying to put a spiel on it. Unfortunately, it was just an absolute disaster. Not when from did you know? When did you know this, this isn't going the way we thought it would, that there was no momentum there? That I, I think former players like Richard Dunn, myself, two or three other players the year before were really top of our games, really at it, really on it. I just think we lost that edge the year later. And, and listen, Dunny might say different or... Certain players, from my own point of view, if we played the Euros the year before, I'd have been at Juventus. I was playing well, like. So what changed? Yeah, you don't believe me, do you? <laughs> but you know what I mean, but like, like you were really, really positive in your thoughts, and I think a year and confidence in sport can actually mm -hmm. mean a lot, like. So we were, by the time Trapattoni had bored the shit out of us with the training, <laughs> and the lead up to it, we were dead and buried, like. And I mean that in the nicest way, because he was so routine for four years. He was still born for the four years previous to that. It wasn't just the Euros. 
that was just his routine of getting the best out of us. So were you excited the night before the tournament started? Or were you, was there a sense of Do you know what, I was, I was nervous of my, my body. I wasn't playing well, I wasn't. I was, I was always thinking I was coming on in my head because of the history of him bringing me on as a substitute or starting was quite good. But I wasn't ready to kill. I wasn't like feeling like I'm going to go out here tonight, tomorrow, and cause damage. I was just hoping to get on and try and see what I can do. But the year before, I would have knocked over your granny to, and to you, win. Like. Would you be the type, would, were you bitching and moaning around the hotel after the first match that you didn't get any game time? No, never. That's one thing I don't have any regrets in football, is I never really backstabbed anyone. I never really had a bad say a word about manager. Even if I, if I, if I did, I'd go and see him and say, you should have picked me. Except Mark Oh, No issue. He, <laughs> He just picked the balls up. <laughs> <laughs> and get paid well for it. <laughs> like, did he do anything else? He did, he used to take the B team and... So the, the mister, or the manager, Gaffer, would take the starting 11, do some shape, reminders, because international football, you just need little reminders, light training sessions, and he would do, and do the other 11, but really, the other 11 didn't care because they just wanted to play a five-a-side because mm. they weren't playing the next day. Uh, I think yesterday was it was the anniversary of the Spain game at the 2002 World Cup. Obviously, you would have been uh, in the underage setup and around then. What was your experience of that World Cup as as an Ireland fan? Uh, oh, memories. Mm. Just am I right in saying that's the Robbie Keane goal? Quinn headed down. No, the, no that was the Germany, Germany game. See, the, the shootout. Yes, the shootout. Ball comes back to Kevin Coban, ten yards out. Into the box and he blows it over. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, he sends it over the bar. Again. Little things like that just stick in your head all the time, like Ian Hart, penalty. It's just, listen, good moments, amazing. I still think we could have won the, had a good chance of winning the World Cup if the man himself in Cork was there. <laughs> yeah. We won't go there, right? There's no win in this one. Half an hour on site. I, I know, I know, I know, Roy, to ring, ring people on withheld numbers, so I'm definitely not going have you, have you ever, because in fairness, you pick your enemies well, like Eamon Dunphy, James McLean. Did you, ever, did you ever get the Holy Trinity and get Roy Keane in there as well? No, because Roy was very loyal to me. He tried to sign me at Sunderland, so when a manager says he's going to sign you and he puts his best foot forward to get you, then you respect that as well, because a lot of managers can let you hang and, and I'll never forget it, Steve Bruce, deadline day, all going off like I've got my suit ready on the, on the bed, going to Wigan for the pay rise, believe it or not. Not too glamorous, may I add. And I see, oh, left winger, test you now. Can't even think of his name. Let play for Newcastle. Charles and Zogbia. Charles and Zogbia. <laughs> arrived up at Wigan. <laughs> arrived up at Wigan and I'm waiting for the call to go there and it never happened, so it is what it is. But Roy was, I had a phone call from my agent saying, I think Roy's gonna call you, answer your phone. This was at 10 o'clock in the morning. Still waiting for the phone call at 11 <laughs> that night. Lo and behold, he rings. What are you thinking? Would you? Would you come Sunderland? I said, yeah, but I won't. Disrespect my manager here, what I have. He's been very good to me. You're going to have to make it happen financially for Reading to, to let me go. Uh, I scored a goal the following Saturday against Sunderland in injury time to win 2-1. He's... I've... I'm wearing a farmer's hat, and it is a farmer's hat, right? With my long gypsy hair, if you can say that. And he walks past me in the tunnel, 
and he didn't even blink at me. He just walked straight past me. I went to the missus, well, we won't be going to Sunderland, that's for sure. <laughs> and to be fair, there was three days to go, four days to go in the window, and thought, well, it's going to fizzle out now. Bang, Monday morning, bid went in, another bid went in, and then Andy Reid arrived. The rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> and we got relegated and they stayed up. Mm. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm waffling. Stephen Hunt, everyone. <laughs> so there you go. That was our Island's Edge episode. We hope you enjoyed it and it brought you new ideas and new points of view and things for you to think about, maybe even over a pint of Island's Edge. See you next time.